Can you imagine how much more rewarding your life and your business would be if every decision you made was the best it could be? Hello everyone and welcome back to our SDG Decide Like a True Leader podcast. My name is Florian Metling and I'm glad you've tuned in. For today's topic, I've invited Dr. Karl Spetzler. He's co-founder of Strategic Decisions Group and world-renowned leader in applying decision sciences. He will introduce us to the concept of decision quality. Hello, Carl. Thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Florian. You're an expert in strategy and innovation processes, and you help business leaders deal with uncertainty and the lack of clear strategic alternatives. Can you give us a little insight into what good decision-making actually means? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we have to make decisions and know that they have to have quality at the time we make them. Uh, there's a whole professional world out there that likes to look with hindsight at everybody's decisions and declare them good or bad after they know what happened. But the true leaders have to know whether they're making a good decision at the time they make it. And at that point, we face uncertainty and complexity and all kinds of unintended consequences. And yet we have to reach conclusions that allow us to make a significant investment, to make irreversible decisions that determine and drive the future of an enterprise. And so in that, in that context, we have to reach high quality decisions. And how do these leaders know that they are making a good decision? Well, we have a model that we call decision quality. That's a framework. That framework allows you at the time of decision to check whether you have reached a quality decision. There are six requirements for a quality decision. They're all necessary and together they're sufficient. A decision is no better than the weakest of those six requirements. That's why we often draw it as a chain. Uh, let me quickly go through those six requirements because they're very fundamental. The first thing is you have to frame a decision right. Decisions don't come framed for you. They, you're living in a world where problems and opportunities are coming at you. They might pass you by if you don't grab them, form them into something and saying, calling it a decision. Okay, We call that declaring a decision. Framing it as uh, what level of decision is it? And, and let me take a a one minute story here. My wife came to me one morning and she says, Carl, it's time to repaint and recarpet the house. And I looked around, I said, yes, but honey, in six months, we're gonna be empty nesters. And we have this playroom right to the little tiny kitchen you have, and we could do a little remodeling and you could have the kitchen of your dreams. And she smiled and she kind of liked that. And then we had some other ideas and we hired an architect and she was very creative and the price tag kept going up. And then we started saying, well, should we stay in the same house? And then should we go uh, look around where other houses are that already have the amenities? And the next thing is, how long do you have to live close to Stanford University because of your connection? And then the question was, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? Okay, so we need to know what is the right decision that we're facing. What decision should we be making? They don't, framing is a very important and complex question. At what level should you address it? Decisions are all interconnected and you have to frame them. You have to shape them. Within that frame, you then have the other requirements. 
Okay, if you get the frame wrong, you're solving the wrong problem and you're not going to recover. No matter how well you solve the wrong problem, you're not going to get to a good decision. Actually creates the, the biggest value to organizations to get clarity and framing discussions and improving their frames. So framing the decision right is very important. But what are the other requirements for good decision making within that frame? Now, then within that, you need to have good alternatives. Decision doesn't get better than your best alternatives. So if you're not creative in generating alternatives, you're going to fail. You need to have the information that allows you to understand the consequences of those alternatives. And if you're wrong on your beliefs about the future, all decisions are about the future. And information about the future can only be expressed with possibilities and probabilities. Okay? That is the only way we can think clearly about the future. That requires then thinking straight. We have to get clear about what we truly want. Okay? What people think they want and getting clear about that and defining it. And then you have for each alternative, you want to predict the consequences in terms of what you want. Putting that all together, we call sound reasoning. And that allows you to choose that alternative that gives you the most of what you want. And then ultimately, it requires to have true commitment to action. It's not just enough to have good intentions. When you put those six requirements together and you can say, yes, we've met those six requirements, that's the definition of a quality decision. The definition is when it isn't worth doing more. We're not looking for perfection in a decision. You can overdo any of those things, and that would not be a good use of your time. There's a certain point when it isn't worth doing more or delaying the decision, and you better get on with it. And that leads to action as opposed to procrastination with the decision-making. Really is the definition. It's, it's not that hard to learn. Okay. And is there something that companies tend to struggle with the most with one of the requirements? You need all six. It's kind of like uh, if, if you said uh, a car fails, in, it's in this, this time it was the steering mechanism, next time it's the powertrain, then, then you have the wheel prob uh, problems with the wheels and saying, okay, from now on, I'm always going to fix my wheels. It doesn't mean the other things won't break down. You really need to address all six, and you need to become conscious. And in fact, every person that's a, a leader needs to get to the point where they can judge those six requirements in the moment, in a conversation around their decision table and saying, hey, have we framed this problem right? Do we have the right alternatives on the table and so on? So it, it needs to be available to you as a mental model, and that skill can be learned, and it can be learned in a couple of hours. And where would you start with learning about these principles and applying decision quality to real decisions? Uh, I, I would start uh, with what I call the everyday significant decisions that people have. So if you're at a mid-level leadership role and you have your leadership team that meets bi-weekly on there are certain items that'll be decision items and i would apply that level of checklist and saying where are we in the quality of this decision at every one of those meetings on the significant decisions that we're talking about and i get clear about which decisions i want to delegate do we want to check the quality of the decision at this table 
and which ones do we want to pass out and saying you come back with a recommendation that already has the quality baked in. Once people are in an advocacy mode, they no longer can get the decision quality. We, are, we have so many biases that are confirming evidence biases and bolstering our case and doing everything that when we're trying to convince others of something. So you have to say who has the responsibility for the quality of this decision. And you decide, do I want to do it around this table? In which case we're going to look at frame alternatives, information values, etc. Or I'm going to delegate it and I'm going to have every one of the people I delegate to trained well enough that they know they need to go and bring quality to the decision. And then I can go have a conversation. Did you really meet those requirements? But I can't inspect decision quality. And this is probably the biggest confusion. Most people have an advocacy approval process in their organization and believe it's this advocacy approval process that generates quality to their decisions. And it does not. It actually leads to a lot of decision failures. And you've mentioned um, a checklist, for example. So if I was to apply that concept in the next business meeting, for example, what would be the most important things on that checklist to see whether we're actually reaching decision quality? Which the most important is whichever is your weakest link. It's all six, okay? That's the, that's the fundamental here. Yeah, well, there are lots of, the shortcut is to go quickly and say, which in, in the first three minutes, which of my six links is the weakest and address that to strengthen it, okay? That can make a big difference. But it may be that the, the problem is very well framed. You don't need any more framing effort, but you don't have any good alternatives or you everything's good except it's too much insider information and saying, look, what we really need to do is talk to some people outside this room because we don't know in here, okay? Or it may be that we're not clear about what we want. It's, you need all six, okay? And, and you can't make up a poor frame by getting more information. And you can't make up for not having good alternatives by doing more analysis. These six are fundamental requirements and you got to get all of them right. Carl, you're speaking about uh, your experience with uh, decision quality, but how has that all started? How was that invented? In the 1960s, there were two seminal figures, Howard Rafa at Harvard and Ron Howard, who started out at MIT and came to Stanford at, at about that time. Okay, They were preceded by 250 years of developing the philosophy and theory of how do you make decisions in the face of uncertainty? You know, 200 odd years ago, people must have had a lot of time to play games and they wanted to figure out how to theoretically collect correctly play games of chance. Names in history and Bernoulli and Laplace and so on that come up. But it was in the 1960s that these two individuals turned it from statistical decision theory which was kind of a theory still around, into practical, let's try to really make decisions this way. And Ron Howard moved in the direction of applying an engineering mindset to it, of how do you deal with complex decision problems with big consequences. 
and uh, Howard Rafa taught in the business school at Harvard in cases and applied small decision trees and cases and slowly moved to negotiation and multi-party decision-making. Those two figures really were the foundation of a lot of what we did. I joined that in the late 60s, and there was a group that developed this out of which SDG, Strategic Decisions Group, grew. And first we solved significant investment problems, and we were very successful. Slowly, the, this methodology found its highest and best use, okay? And where big people make big bets. And then we learned a lot about the psychology and biases. Amos Tversky, Danny Kahneman came along and made a big impact on this. And then we expanded on it. And then we were able to not just work on individual decisions, but on portfolio decisions. Today, we work on organizational transformations of helping an organization to become a better decision-making enterprise, changing decision cultures and habits and capability among all the leadership and being able to align around good decision-making. So there's a, a long history of now over 50 years of application and uh, with great successes and it's great fun. Thank you, Carl. Thank you very much for taking the time and for sharing your insights into what good decision-making actually means. Decide Like a True Leader, the new podcast from SDG for anyone who wants to know what's behind high-quality decisions and how best to make them. Feel free to check out our website and LinkedIn channels or send us a message with your thoughts. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.